Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm here in Los Angeles with Rachel Nichols and Andrew Hahn. We just finished. You're tired. I am. You, <laughs> Rachel, did three and a half hours straight, and then we actually filmed a segment for tomorrow. We won't say what we did, but we even went beyond three and a half hours. We can let people hours. behind the curtain. Wow. We had DeAndre Aiden pop in for oh. a little segment that we post-taped right. that will air on tomorrow's show. So it was like, Rachel... Do a three-hour live show with no breaks. Yeah. She's not even... By the way, the commercial breaks were, what, two minutes? Two minutes. So there wasn't even, like, like if she even wanted to go to the bathroom, she wouldn't have time. Um, so, and that was, like, do three hours of TV, and then, hold on, we have to tape a show no. segment for tomorrow. Hold on, we're going to tape some Snapchat stuff, and uh, then we're going to tape a segment for tomorrow. But it's fun. If you're not into this... You're right. If you're not into today... I don't know why you're you're working in the sport of basketball. I love this stuff. I love today. I could do another three hours of TV. I'm not kidding. Like, this is so fascinating to me. I thought it was an incredibly interesting day. And it's funny, right off the top of our trade deadline show, we saw the Milwaukee Bucks make a move right. to pick up Nikola Miritich. And right away in that A block, we said, wow, the arms race in the East is on. We saw what Philadelphia did with Tobias Harris. The next few hours, let's see what Toronto does. And sure enough, boom. Yeah, so we had, I want to say the trade deadline season started when Anthony Davis asked for a trade. So that was um, 10 days ago. From from that trade demand till Markel Fultz getting traded at about 2.45 Eastern today, we saw, I think it was like 25 trades or something like that. It's amazing. Um you mentioned uh, Chris Epps. Porzingis, yeah, Porzingis is not a goes. Nick anymore. Uh, Tobias Harris goes. Marcus Saul goes. Mark L. Fultz goes. And there's just a whole bunch of other moves in between. It wasn't the biggest name move, but I feel like the winner of the day was the Bucks. Um, they were a team that already was really good, they all, but all they had on their roster was like free agents. There wasn't much to trade. And yet they figured out how to get this guy who fits perfectly. And, I mean, we'll talk about the other deals first. But, I mean, I thought the Bucks did a great job. Well, let me ask you a question about how much of an upgrade, right? So he's exactly the right kind of player for them. He's going to play perfect with the rest of their shooters, with Giannis, complement everything. They had already built their team that way. So just from a basketball standpoint, maximizing an advantage they already had, how much more does he maximize it? Yeah, because really he's they're essentially trading Thon Maker for him. Right. Maker didn't play every night. Um, they had been playing DJ Wilson, mm-hmm. their rookie recently. So I think you had thought when they traded away Thon Maker, it was a vote of confidence. I know for I Wilson. gave this whole soliloquy on TV. Like, uh, <laughs> boy, this is great for DJ Wilson. They really believe in him. Dun, dun. Which I was kind of surprised. Narrator, by, actually, it was not. They did not. <laughs> um, but uh, I assume he'll get some of those minutes and. Um, you know, they'll play lineups, I assume, with Miritich and Brooke Lopez, where Giannis will have four shooters, depending on who they've got in it at, uh, at the guard spots. But um, I thought it was a hell of a deal for Milwaukee, who's already streaking in first place. I'm very surprised that you think that they're the winner, because the Toronto Raptors, who are right there with the Bucks, trade for Marc Gasol, which gives them a new, a completely new element to their system, don't you think that they're the front runners in the East now? I thought that was a great trade too. Not only, and we had a mixed sentiment I about know, that Tracy trade McGrady in our set. Was like, yeah, no big deal. And I was like, really? 
I thought it was a great trade. They didn't I, really give up that much for it. Right, and if the Raptors make it to the finals, that forces them to play Boogie more than they probably want to, right? So Maybe. I think the way the Raptors play already, they play with a flexible lineup. They play sometimes with Ibaka at center, and then they also play with, um, you know, they had to play with Valanciunas before he got hurt. I think there will be games where Gasol won't play that much, frankly. But there will be games where he plays a lot. Which is a nice luxury to have, yeah, by the way. I, I think they've given themselves flexibility. And, you know, it's weird. The Raptors right now, I mean, by the time this podcast posts, who knows they may sign somebody. Because they made the trades today that were, they made a three-for-one trade with Toronto, with uh, Memphis, and then they, then they traded off Greg Monroe. They've got ten players on their roster. I'd never seen this before. Um, where a team after the deadline has 10 players. They're, they're, they're supposed to have 14. So they're going to be Oops. compelled to sign four. I don't know if they'll sign five. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but they will potentially be able to improve their team even more. So two things. First of all, uh, the quote of the day came from Robin Lopez in Chicago, who said that after the Milwaukee Bucks trade, he feels bad for Nikola Mirotic because Mirotic has had the, quote, superior experience of playing with him uh-huh. and now has to go play with Brooke. So Rolo, you know, making it clear that in his mind, the inferior Lopez brother now is going to be on Nicola's plate. Um, I, I do think it's interesting to ask the players this as we talked about this arms race as it developed through the afternoon. How would you now rank? You love the Milwaukee trade. You love the Toronto trade. You like the Tobias Harris move from Philadelphia. Boston didn't make a big deal today, but they did open up a roster spot, so we expect them to be active in the buyout market. Put your money where your mouth is. Mr. Host of the Hoop, Collect- Hoop I don't Collective. Know. I know what you're going to say. Who but... is the number one team to beat in the East? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Can't you say you don't know? Isn't that allowed? No, it's not allowed. I'm not asking you to make a prediction. I'm just asking you in not, your 16 years of covering you this like, league. You're, you're, you're I do. It's fu- it's fun when you say it. I like you it. You just won't say how many years you've been covering the league. I'm because, happy to. It's been so, you, I'm, uh, the, 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 I would say 22 years, okay. 23 years, somewhere in there. Once I hit the 20 mark, I was so proud of myself. Wow. I was like, woohoo. That's so, something. That's Rachel, something. Rachel is 22 years old. That's I know. Amazing. It's amazing. I yeah. started covering it as a newborn. <laughs> Dude, I always say I'm proud of how old I am. I'm proud to have make it, made it. I'm proud of what I accomplished. <laughs> I am not ashamed. I don't think women shouldn't say their age or shouldn't say anything that reveals how old they are. Dude, I have been around. So when Vic Oladipo... This was, this was amazing, by the way. Um, this story. When Vic Oladipo hurt himself, the unfortunate, um, I, as soon as I heard the name of the injury, I was like, oh, yes, I remember that. That's the injury that effectively ended Charles Barkley's career. Now, of course, Charles Barkley was 36. He was already in his farewell tour season. But I remember it because I was there that night, and that was 20 years ago. And I was there writing for the Washington Post. And it was Charles Barkley's return game to Philadelphia because he was playing in the Western Conference. It was going to be his last game in Philadelphia on this farewell tour. And I went to go see Chuck and write a story about it. And I was there the night that he got hurt. And it's amazing. He got hurt early enough that he had sort of showered and changed and dressed and gotten the news from the doctors um, that he talked after the game and, and talked about his career. To him, he was never playing again. He ended up coming in at the very last game of the season for a couple minutes to play as sort of a farewell when he was the Rockets. But to him, that was the last game of his career. And um, it was amazing quotes. And it was amazing. Yeah, he, he was like, he didn't like wait for the MRI or anything after the game. He was like, Yep, I'm done. I tore uh, this muscle and I'm done. Right. And I know all of this because when I did a Google search to be like Charles Barkley injury career ending, what popped up first was my story from the Washington Post. Rachel Alexander, my 
maiden That's name. That's right. But um, but yeah, it was pretty I can't cool. She and was telling me the other day how, where she was when Kennedy was shot. <laughs> Let's not go that far. Uh, three days ago, if you'd asked me, I would have said that the Celtics are playing the best amongst those teams, um, with the Bucks being right there because the Bucks are just devastating people right now. But I look at the team and I think the Celtics may have the better team. Um, but now, I mean, I haven't seen the Sixers play yet, but from a man-for-man standpoint, holy hell. I mean, what I said about Tobias Harris is he's not just an addition, he's a multiplier. I feel like he's going to make a big difference on the floor for those other players, give them more room to operate. Do you think that that's true? Yes, although I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I I don't want to not give them credit, but I don't have permission to use their name, so I won't say it. You can use my name. Oh, it was Andrew. <laughs> but... Tobias is a very high pick-and-roll player. Like, the Clippers were one of the league leaders in pick-and-rolls, and he was a screener and blah, blah, blah. Jimmy Butler's going to be happy. Points per possession off screens. The, the Sixers are not a heavy pick-and-roll team. Now, that being said, Tobias is very adept at going out and stretching the floor and being a spot-up shooter and even creating a little bit. It's not that I think that he won't fit, but I will say that he is headed for a change in the way they play. Um, but certainly you look at what they have and you're pretty impressed and you have to figure their buyout will get somebody. Um, by the way, a pretty surprising late move that Wes Matthews is going to go to the Pacers. Um, I thought you brought up a very good point on the trade deadline show, though, is that some guys, it's, oh, my God, can I get to the Warriors? I want to win a ring. The Warriors have one spot. And I keep reading reports that they want that spot to go to Robin Lopez. We'll have to see if... By the time you guys are listening to this podcast, the Bulls have bought him out. We have to see if he ends up going to the Warriors. He but might not even get bought out. Assuming um, the Warriors take someone else uh, that who is not Wesley Matthews, um, you can sit there and say, oh, who's a contender? I want to go to one of those teams. Or as you noted on our show today, if you're a guy who wants to get paid this summer, maybe you're looking for something else in your final three months of the season. Yeah, Wes Matthews has to get a, a contract. And while he, I'm sure he'd like to win a ring, he's got to make a move. To get paid, and this one reminds me of Joe Johnson a few years ago. The Cavs, who were defending champs, thought they had Joe Johnson lined up. LeBron made a big, heavy recruiting pitch, and Joe ended up going to the Heat, who were in sort of the middle of the pack. People couldn't believe it, and they sort of said, "Oh, I must—he must have wanted to hang on Miami." No, he wanted to go where he would get more guaranteed playing time. He had a great two months in Miami. Ended up getting a two-year deal from the Jazz, which was probably an overpay. But had a good run with but them. But he squeezed out, and I think it was fourteen million he got. It was a good business decision. So I think we're going to have we're going to see that in the next ten day, day, ten days or so. Um, obviously, I think the Celtics are a big winner today. I think it kind of goes without saying. So it's in your sixteen years, if you had to rank, I'm going right back at him. If you had okay. to rank, I was about to go the there. East teams. You know, this is why we call her the um, <laughs> the boa constrictor mm-hmm. because she just slithers around like she doesn't let. You know, Roger Goodell, she doesn't let Adam Silver, she doesn't let people off the hook. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm pushing back. I'm pushing back. I'm not this being is my constricted. show. Your show, you can, you can probably constrict me tomorrow. Um, I thought the, Celt- the Celtics are a big winner today because Anthony Davis wasn't traded. And yeah. They can make an offer. Absolutely. I know that it's going to be complicated with Kyrie, but we have months to talk about that. There was a fear. Maybe it was 26%. Maybe it was 4%. There was a fear for a while in Boston that Anthony Davis was going to get traded this week. Yeah, now they got a new fear. It's fun with in Boston. Oh, you're afraid <laughs> Anthony Davis is going to be gone before you can get him. Then you got pretty much feel by the last couple of days that's not going to happen. And now you got Kyrie popping up. So, hey.
I love that Dollar Shave Club has everything I need to look, feel, and smell my best. You always like it when I smell my best, Andrew, especially when we're doing a live pod here. I definitely appreciate it. Especially after a three-hour show. It's always nice to have Dollar Shave okay, Club Okay, you products. smell nice. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Dollar, Shave Club has every, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready, no matter what you're getting ready for, be it a night on the town, three-hour trade deadline podcast, whatever. They have you covered from head to toe for your hair, your skin, your face. You name it, they have it. And they have this new program where they automatically keep you stocked up on the products you use. You determine what you want, when you want it, and it shows up right at your door from once a month to once every six months. Plus, they have their handsome discount. I don't know if this would apply to me. Uh, It definitely applies. Oh, it does? Um, The more you buy, the more you save. Um, And right now, they've got a bunch of starter sets you can try for just five bucks, like their oral care kit. After that, the restock box ships in regular size products at regular price. So what are you waiting for? Get your starter set for five bucks right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash hoop. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash hoop for everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. (laughs) Can I just say that Durant and Kyrie both took shots at the media this week within the last week, um, basically saying the way you guys work is messed up and it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy business and the way you guys are always focusing on our future and everything, et cetera, et cetera. I understand where they're coming from. I get it. But both Kyrie and Kevin Durant have actively encouraged speculation about their future. I'm and glad that they did. That makes the league so much more fun. To be able to have this kind of speculation, like, yes, basketball is also fun to watch, but there's this whole, like, shoulder industry of drama well, there's and injury. there's a chess game, sure, going yeah. on. And by the way, it's not just the media playing it. Teams are obviously playing it, because guess who just traded away the unicorn? I mean, that's what's amazing to me. You have a guy whose skill set is so special and unique that his nickname is the, the unicorn. unicorn. So this isn't just, hey, I think he's pretty good or whatever. And you trade him away for the prospect of maybe getting these two guys. Hundreds of millions of dollars worth of decisions are being made, not in July, right now, based on these kinds of calculations. So, of course, people around the league are going to talk about it. I would also just say, and look, I do understand that the media involves a lot of people. It involves veteran reporters like Brian. It involves people. You talk around Boston. Kyrie talks to Jackie McMullen a lot. And I know he really respects her. He's not including her in that group. I know that there's people who have just started working this week who may be asking questions that aren't being asked sort of by the more veteran reporters. I know that there's blogs. I know that there's radio stations whose interests are maybe in like, I'm going to ask the shocking question and therefore I'm going to get my radio bit played or something. So there's a lot of different people in that group. But largely the media is a business that is powered by fans because it is all based on revenue, right? So if we are talking about things that fans of the game are interested in, we will have viewership numbers. Radio will have radio pops. Blogs will have web page views. So the media isn't some like independent boogeyman out there. The media is really just an intermediary for what fans are interested in reading about and hearing about and listening to. And I promise you, if fans didn't want to know this stuff and it didn't sell and it didn't play, I promise you we wouldn't be talking about That's it. Right. right? That's right. So, so... I have seen among 
some social media stuff or just some fans being like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you media. And I'm like, you guys are the ones making the decisions, I promise you. Because the way the media works, the margins are not that, that thick. In, right. in journalism right, right now, right. and, yeah, we, and we have we, a lot have of people ability, operating on page views, and that is what they that is what right. they we go then the report to track next. It now, unlike 16 years ago when I started, <laughs> um, I thought the two LA teams had a good week this week. I know everyone's focused on the Lakers with um, AD. Okay, they didn't trade for him. They made two trades that I feel will help them. They got two shooters, Mike Muscala and Reggie Bullock. Mm-hmm. Um, they got rid of Michael Beasley, who was obviously having issues with Luke Walton, although I know it didn't just happen in the last week, yes. but the last week was the Tipping final point. straw, and they opened a roster spot. I thought the Lakers had a good couple of days. I thought the Clippers, if you really you know, are okay with Tobias Harris leaving, which they basically are, I don't know if they're going to get the free agents to replace Tobias, but not only did they pick up four draft picks, two first, two seconds, they made, I thought, a really shrewd trade today with the with the Grizzlies picking up Garrett Temple and Jermichael Green. I know this is not going to lead Sports Center, but they got off of Avery Bradley and his partial guarantee for next year, clearing a little bit more salary cap space. It, it's not enough to open another max slot, but they they did good work this week. There, absolutely, there, there's a huge difference to me in the gamble the Clippers took versus the gamble the Knicks took. So they both quote traded away their best player to clear space, right? Right. But the difference is Tobias Harris is a different kind of player, right, than Chris Asporzingis, who's a young all-star and, again, considered promising enough that if he comes back from his injury the way everyone hopes, he will be a real special transcendent player in this league. They had him under, as you guys like to say, team control, right? Yes. For the for, for quite at least one more contract, and that yes. one more contract was probably, let's not kid ourselves, I know it didn't have to be, was probably going to be a multiple-year contract. Tobias Harris was in a position where he had an expiring contract. He was going to be a free agent this summer, and he has made enough of a show of himself this season, and really last since that trade from Detroit, that he was going to command interest and money in the free agent market. And the Clippers knew they could not go to him at 12.01 on July 1st and say, here is your max deal, because they are chasing and they have opened two max slots for bigger fish. They are chasing Kawhi Leonard. They are chasing Kevin Durant. So they would have had to look at Tobias and say, hey, could you could you wait like six or seven days for us until Kawhi a, makes a, his decision? This is a really important thing. This and, is not just minor right? stuff here. And Tobias, I don't know personally what he would have decided. Maybe he loves the Clippers so much he would have passed up other money for them to wait Maybe they just in said case. That his number was going to be retired. Someday. But I don't, I don't, I don't think it would have been. No one would have advised him to wait around just in case Kevin Durant or Kawhi said no, right. so that any offers he had would also dry up and then he would be left without a chair to sit in. So the Clippers were in a position with what they had, their other goals have been for years now. They've been building toward this summer. They really weren't in a position to keep him anyway. So if they could trade him to a team where they... Philadelphia felt like they can keep him this summer. And Elton Brand, I spoke to him, said, we intend to, to resign him this summer. You can get more assets because Philadelphia feels we're getting a long-term player back. Right. And by definition, with the Clippers' overall strategy, he was only a three-month more player for them. That is the ultimate hand to have in poker. If the if the card you have just isn't as valuable for some reason to you, but it's much more valuable to someone else, man, that's a great card to play. Yeah, and I, I feel like if they get Kawhi this summer or if they get, you know, Durant, I don't think they're getting Durant, but who knows, it, it will be deemed like, oh, this big giant moment. But in actuality, there was a dozen moves 
that led up to it, and this what they did the last few days were part of that. I mean, going all the way back to the Blake Griffin trade, that's, sure. yes, that's where it all starts. Right. My favorite thing about the Tobias trade is just that they sent Bobby. Bobby, yeah. As well. I mean, Toby and Bobby. Yeah, it sort of makes me uh, think that it's like Markeith and Marcus Morris for a time, where it's like. Your package deal, like here. Do you think split. Tobias and Beaumont share a bank account like the Morris twins? Uh, because that would be a little bit more imbalanced. Don't downplay that John Wick check. That's true. <laughs> we could Beaumont's be back making end. cash. Could be back end on cash that. money. No, so I thought that was nice. At about two forty-five Eastern, um, Markel Fultz got traded. Clearly, the Sixers waited till the very last minute. Um, what can we get for him? What can we get for him? Yeah, what can we they get ended up getting a protected first and a second, and Jonathan Simmons, who. I don't know. He may help him a little bit. He's a rotation player. Um, this is obviously one of the strangest sagas we've seen. Is by the way, I didn't really make this connection in the moment on air. But do you think did Brett Brown work with Jonathan Simmons in San Antonio, or do you think was no, there any they did cross paths? Yeah. I do think. Look, I love Jonathan Simmons in San Antonio. Didn't he come in as like a tryout player yeah, or something paid like for that? His own G yeah, League it's a great. Paid for his own G League tryout. Yep. Came in, had great success with them. Took the money, which I can't really blame him, considering that's his his story of how he made it into the league um, in Orlando, and obviously didn't work out for him. Speaks so much to how much of this league for the eighty percent of players in the middle who aren't the top ten percent aren't the bottom ten percent. It is coaching. It is fit. It is who is around you. He didn't do so well in Orlando. I'm curious if with Greg Popovich disciple Brett Brown, maybe he's going to be a different kind maybe. of player. Um, is Markel Fultz going to spring forth from his exile and? From his injury? Start playing? I mean, it's way... I don't know. This is... I will say that a couple people said, including Tim Bontemps, as soon as he went away with the outlet syndrome, he said he's played his last game as a sixer. Bontemps was right about that. We'll see if he's right about the Lakers not making the playoffs. He's, he's sticking to that one real hard. Save that for All-Star. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, the Dave McMenamin, Tim Bontemps showdown? Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna, is this going to be videotaped? I will try and videotape it. Uh, I'm I'm confident that the uh, funny thing is there's a little thing that's going on. So, Bon Temps came on this podcast, said that you know criticized Kyle Kuzma, and said he couldn't shoot three pointers, which at the time he was shooting like twenty nine percent on threes. But like the next two games, Kuzma went like seven for ten, right? Okay, on threes, maybe even like eight for eleven. McMenamin comes on the podcast and goes, "Oh boy, ever since Bon Temps criticized Kuzma, he's gone eight for 11. Well, since that time, Kuzma's like shooting 22%, and Bontemps is tracking it. So, dun, dun, dun. Is that their only point of contention, or is there more? No, because but it's a manifestation of their general disagreement on the Lakers in general. Dave seems, you know, thinks Lakers have more upward mobility. He's more bullish, right. Bontemps thinks they're not going to make the playoffs, and... Is sticking to those guns very hard. I want video. I want pay per view. I want everything. I want the whole the whole nine. Andrew Hahn, <laughs> this is your chart. Tra- you have a week. The trade deadline is over. You have a week until All Star. Now we're all going to be in Charlotte in about a week, eight nine days. I want to see it. I want I want a plan of action. I want an outline. Plan of action. I want <laughs> I want you to approach this <laughs> with the dedication I know you are capable of. All Star weekend. McMenamin, Bon Temps. In the I'm same room. In, in the same room. Dun, dun, dun. Can you get the jump guys to make you a Photoshop? Oh, by all means. Right? This yeah. is fine. This is fine? This is fine. <laughs> um, so, Fultz, you know, did never play again. So here's the question. Is he going to spring forth and say, I'm ready to play. My thoracic outlet syndrome has been addressed and let's go. Or is he still going to be in rehabilitation as he's been for the last 
two plus months? I don't know the answer. I mean, it's it's tough because I don't know what's I mean, it's just this whole thing has been so hard to wrap your arms around. I don't know if it was you, honestly, or Ramona, or one of our other fine reporters who pointed out that thoracic outlet syndrome is a diagnosis of omission, um, yes. where a doctor, it's not one of those things where you can do a test and be like, aha, thoracic outlet syndrome, that basically it's one of those things where they eliminate this, they eliminate that, they eliminate that, and they're like, okay, you don't have any of the other things, it must be thoracic outlet syndrome. The problem with that is that, as we know, there's an infinite number of things that can be gone wrong with the human body or mind, and I don't mean that as a dig, I mean it that it actually all works together. Um, and so, since I don't know how significant a part of his layoff, thoracic outlet syndrome, is, right. I don't know if he can spring forth. I think it's good for him to be in a place where not everybody is looking at him being like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Orlando, for better or worse, is a more out of sight of the the regular daily grind of the NBA only because they're not a contender now. Look, there was a time Orlando was in the conference finals not too long ago and they will be top of mind then if they make it back to that but they're not that now so I don't think there will be the kind of constant media stream there's not a size media core in Orlando there aren't just as many people kind of keeping track of him on a daily basis Um, I think it's amazing when you look at all the moves the Sixers have made just in the last week much less before that can you imagine if they hadn't given away if they hadn't forget that they used it on market their number one pick on Markel Fultz it's that they had to give away their next number one pick to Boston just for the privilege of letting Boston draft Jason Tatum while they took Markel so if those two picks were back in their pocket and they could have picked used that one to draft Tatum or draft Fox or my god draft Lonzo Ball right who we don't think is maybe the number two anymore if we could redraft but boy I would take him over a guy who hasn't played at all, right? You know, it's just a, it's a thing about the draft is so amazing. There's been hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars spent over the years to identify the best way to draft somebody. And here we have twice in the last what? Is this an Anthony Bennett comment? I mean, they, the Cavs punted on Anthony Bennett after one year. They traded him after one year. Markel Fultz, I mean, we see guys who are projects, who are kept three, four years before a team you know, gives up on them. A year and a half, we have a punt on Markel Fultz. This is what's crazy about the draft, is that you can get Donovan Mitchell with the 12th pick that can change the tenor of your franchise, and you can draft one, and maybe one out of every five or six years, it's such a disaster that you're done after a season. It does seem like uh, in the, what, 40, 50 years in the NBA, people haven't gotten any better drafting. There's so much more scouting. There's so much more advanced analytics, but it's still hit or miss, hit or miss at the top. Are we paging Sam Hinkie here? Because, I mean, the biggest misunderstanding about the process was, oh, tank, get a high draft pick, pick well, and go back. What the process was about was you need at-bats. The process recognized that, hey, drafting is an inexact science. No matter how many hundreds of millions of dollars you spend, knowing what a young man is going to turn into two, three, four years down the road, knowing how he'll react in a situation he's never been in before, is an inexact science. And so by definition, Sam Hinkie said, if you only have, even if you get number one overall, if you only have one bite at the apple, maybe you have a 50% chance of getting it right. I'm sure, by the way, he worked out exactly how much of a percent chance is of getting it right. I'm just throwing it out. But his whole 
whole thing. The process wasn't just tank and draft low. The process was sell everything that isn't nailed down to get as many draft picks as possible, tank as much as possible to get as low draft picks as possible. And then if you have all of those at-bats, you will strike. And guess what? It worked because they didn't draft 100%. No, right? Before, um, Noel, Noel. Right? Noel. So, but the, if, you, if you have... Four big, huge swing at bats, and you go fifty-fifty, and you end up with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. It's pretty good, pretty good foundation for the rest of you know the next ten years. So it, it, it's based on the fact that drafting is hard, and you're not going to get it right, and that is why we see Markel Fultz being traded today. Brian, we have to pause for commercials on some platforms, but while we're doing that, can you uh, tell all of us about that crazy offer that was sent to the Lakers for LeBron at the deadline? Back. The Lakers had uh, decided to do it. I mean, he couldn't have stopped it. So, Brian, your uh, Eastern Conference Finals hotels is Toronto and Milwaukee. Is that what you're saying? I love this conversation every year because Brian is that like he you obsess about you know this. What? You know what? You're the master of it. You and Marriott have a special relationship over this. You've just really put put me on it. Um, oh, see that like, he's not going to answer me <laughs> on how we think the teams are ranked right now. But now you, you Andrew Han, have given wants. him a question. Yes. Brilliant. Airline miles and hotels. Brilliant. Every ranking in the I'm adding this to, to my boa constrictor repertoire. Thank <laughs> so you. I have finals reservations. Wait, you've already done this? Yes, of course. <laughs> I have finals reservations in Boston. I have finals reservations in Toronto. Within the last 10 days, I made finals reservations in Philly? In Milwaukee. Oh, in Milwaukee! Wow. Well, you said 10 days, so I was like, who's yeah. changed? Milwaukee hasn't really changed I in know, the last but 10 they, days. I've just really been You just felt like you were going to to roll with you? And I do not have them in Philly. Interesting. So after the Harris deal? Yes? No? I, I, I guess well, we know that Philly's number four on his I list. There we go. Actively say, oh, they're not going to be in the finals. Don't make a reservation. But it's sort of de facto. I'm sort of. Yeah. My subconscious is ranking them. It has. Um, what about you, Andrew Hahn? Do you have uh, hotel reservations? I I think that it w- it will be obviously in the west. It'll be Oakland, and in the east, it'll be Toronto. Oh wow! That's my take. All right. Did, did that? Did the Gasol deal change your feel today? Or uh, it- no. Yes, because when the Miritich deal happened first, I was like, "Oh, we're going to Milwaukee for the finals," and then when the Gasol deal happened, like, "No, we're going back to Toronto." No, but typically. There's been some variance in this with LeBron's teams in recent years, but typically teams that make massive major midseason deals aren't the teams that end up winning the whole thing. Um, you know, typically the teams win the whole thing make minor moves. Yeah, LeBron is the way he operates has sort of changed that. Um, if you look at what's happened, look at everything that Houston has done in the last three months to re- to re- retrofit that roster. I think they're up to something like 24, 25 different players that they've had on their roster this year. And they have a roster spot. I think they have two roster spots. They could add more. Um, You look at Philly, the way they've turned that roster over since the beginning of the season. I mean, they've made two massive trades. Three, I guess. I include Fultz as a big trade. Look how many different guys have worn a Sixers jersey this year. By the way, i got to check this. Somebody in Cleveland told me that five different guys have worn the number three for the Cavs this year. 
can you you know talk about you know, Dwayne Wade? Where have you been? <laughs> where yeah. have you gone to? <laughs> they've made like six trades. The Raptors, as I just said, got down to ten players today. That's you know we're seeing incredible turnover on some of these teams. Well, here's what I like about the Rockets. The first team you mentioned in this string is that there are more new pretty quickly and this wasn't working and i know that we all i, I kind of heard this the media almost got like stuck in, in the gear i think i spent six weeks hearing about oh trevor reason luke mamute you know they were stupid they didn't realize you know they didn't know what they had and whatever dude trevor reason is not the reason i mean their offense the was way, terrible mamute hasn't even right? played all year and trevor reason was not exactly lighting the world on fire in phoenix nor is he doing so in dc as much as i like That's trevor reason and we just talked about fit and sometimes the guy is great in one scenario and not in the other that being said they needed to do more than just oh wither trevor reason and i thought that daryl kind of buckled down and they had a rash of injuries that required him to do so and the usual rabbit out of the hat where whatever hat he pulled gerald green from last year started pulling other g leaguers and other guys who were home playing basketball in their driveways again and i like the tweaks they've made it's still we'll have to see if they can get as close as they got last year andrew clearly has only made an oakland hotel reservation he doesn't think that that's a danger but after seeing the warriors last night i only reinforce that so let me ask you a question about that so we're watching this arms race in the east and we talked about on the show i think a lot of it has to do with the window opening after lebron leaves right lebron has been looming over this conference eight straight finals appearances we have talked a lot about whole like empires that have been built fought and lost in the time of teams that lebron has been reigning over the conference but now he is gone and Everybody is trying to be that team that is finally repping the East. I do think that there's some pressure on teams like Toronto, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia because they at least hear the train tracks and think Boston might be loading up with Kyrie and AD next year. So you got to get it in now. But all of this, all the things these East teams are doing and possibly mortgaging away part of their future is still for the opportunity to most likely, with all due respect to the teams in the West, meet the Warriors in the NBA Finals. And this is, I mean, they have Boogie Cousins on that roster now. You have five multiple-time All-Stars. That team has been unbeatable, basically, for six weeks, and they're only going to go on more of a head of steam as they go through the playoffs. What do you think of the arms race in the shadow of, hey, in this conference, it's a free-for-all because the, the, the clouds have finally parted. But by the way, your reward is you go meet the Warriors in the finals. I think there's two things you say about it. Number one, you run out the ground ball because you just never know. This is what I said in 2016 when the Warriors were 73-9 and nine and the Cavs were, you know, chugging along. There's a difference between run out the ground ball and play your hardest and, hey, you got LeBron James on your team and you never know what could happen. And we are making trades and mortgaging our assets in the future. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Danny Ainge, again, to his credit, he didn't mortgage anything. He didn't mortgage anything. During LeBron's height, he basically sat back and said, yeah, we're rebuilding. And there kind of came a point where it was like, well, aren't you done rebuilding already? And he was like, no, no, we're still rebuilding. Because he knew. What was he going to do, right? I mean, until Kyrie became available and he pounced, he, why, why spend a bunch of assets to battle LeBron at the height of his career, at the height of his power? And that is, in some degree, what's going on in the East versus who they will meet in the West the other in thing likelihood. I'll say is it's a bit of a honeymoon situation with the Bucks. The idea of getting to the finals, even if they get their heads handed to them, is a dream scenario. Dream scenario. Philly, um, you know, they haven't been to the finals since Iverson. 
Um, they haven't been successfully deep in the playoffs. I guess they went to the second round last year. Um, Toronto has not been able to get past LeBron. Uh, them getting to the finals would be the greatest accomplishment in franchise history. So I do think that there is some, there's some reward other than winning, and there can be something noble in, in getting beat in the finals. Brian, we have to wind down, but if you were going to tell a huge basketball fan one takeaway from the trade deadline. Um, if you are a fan of a team, you want your general manager to always be working. And we've seen some tremendous general manager work in the last um, few days, or the last, you know, really week, 10 days. The other thing I'm going to say is I couldn't believe how my phone blew up at 3 o'clock today with people mocking Anthony Davis and Rich Paul. Agents, other teams, league officials saying, boy, they really screwed up. Um, what do you think the repercussions of that are going to be? I don't know. I think the risk profile on this was, uh, you know, looking at what the Lakers actually had to trade, the risk profile that Anthony Davis and his team elected to take was a little bit unsavory. I thought the chances of them getting what they wanted were not high enough to the damage he was going to accept. But it could have worked. Um and look really, at the fact, too, that this was probably the only... If, if what he wanted, and, and I just have to take it on faith, I'm taking Anthony Davis on faith, and I think it's a little bit unfortunate when people don't want to give these players their own agency, and they just assume they're pawns of someone else. I'm not sure that's fair. Anthony I Davis agree. has a brain. He has a mouth. He has, spe- he has spoken. He has spoke to the New Orleans media. Yes. He said what he wanted. If Anthony Davis, forget what Rich Paul may or may not be doing behind the scenes and who his other clients are, if Anthony Davis said to his agent, you know what, I- I'm calling it. I've seen it. I said I was going to give New Orleans a season. I've seen enough. We all sat up on TV and said, hey, can't you call it by now? Like, we've seen it. They're not making the playoffs, right? right? They didn't, unlike the Houston Rockets, they didn't make a bunch of moves in the first few three months of the season to just tinker and try to do something. I mean, they had a lot higher stakes, right, than Houston did. They were trying to keep Anthony Davis, and yet they didn't do that. There was some behind-the-scenes stuff with Anthony Davis, just simple stuff, where I know that there was a little bit of frustration over sort of, hey, why aren't they doing this kind of stuff? If he is able to say, hey, I'm calling it, And if he, in his mind, who has a house in Los Angeles and has a young child who maybe he wants to grow up in a nice place like Southern California. It's nice here, isn't it, Andrew? It's very nice. Shouldn't Brian Winhorse's young child grow up in Southern California? Exactly. It rained for weeks on end here. Mm, But it's not raining now. Um, (laughs) And even when it rained, it was 50 degrees warmer than Omaha. Um, I think it was was more 60 or 70. Um, I'm going to give Anthony Davis the credit of believing him, that he wanted to come to L.A., that this wasn't someone else pulling his puppet strings. He's a grown-up. And that if he really did want to come to L.A., this was it. This was the window, right? Because we all know, you're sitting here and saying, hey, what is in the Lakers' wallet wasn't enough to make a deal now? Just wait till Danny Ainge gets in the game this summer. Wait till whoever has the number one pick gets in the game. So this was it. So I, I see both sides of it. Yes, it was a bid that probably wasn't going to work from the beginning. And so you could say, hey, don't risk it. But on the other hand, if he wanted to do this, if this is what he wanted, these are not guys who have succeeded in life by not trying because the odds were bad. That's true. That's true. Well, we'll be talking about a lot more of it. Uh, Rachel, thanks for sticking around. Thanks, Rachel. She has her energy level is. I'm excited. This is so much fun. Let's do another one. 
Um, thank you very much for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We'll be back next week. We will be talking about buyouts. Oh, boy. I thought transaction season was over. Thank Energy. you for listening. Energy. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the True Collect. Ooh, wow. That's a false start. Wow. That's amazing. Can we please put that out there? Mm-hmm.